The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Thursday, and that means one thing, Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Also, be feel free to go out and get that Voice America Sports app so you can take the program with you anywhere. Another exciting Thursday. It seemed like on Thursday, uh, you know, we normally call it a throwback Thursday, but so many different things happen on Thursday. And, and I think from this point on, it is like the Tom Brady Thursday. You get that? TBT, Throwback Thursday, Tom Brady Thursday. Anyway, it it is funny, and we'll get into it later on the program and discuss the whole deflate gate. Is it completely over, or is there going to be another chapter? We don't know, and choir minds want to know. But let me start off by talking, since we're on quarterbacks for a second. Let's take a look in the AFC West. There's a guy by the name of Phillip Rivers, and we all know Phillip said that If the team is going to move to Los Angeles, he's not going. But he's dancing to a different tune, a tune of $65 million. That's right, $65 million. Their presidents, De Niro, give me that guac. So he decides, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe the management now has convinced him if the team is to move to Los Angeles, he's $65 million richer. So I wonder. Does that mean right now with that decision that the San Diego Chargers are soon to become the Los Angeles Chargers? That would be fantastic. But in that contract that Phillip Rivers received, it's a no-trade clause. And I talked about it last, you know, we're going to show. He has a no-trade clause in his contract. So it's like, where's the incentive? You look at his record, four and five in the playoffs, can he really take this team to where they need to go? But here's what Phillip Rivers had to say about his team's chances of getting to the playoffs and how he feels as though they fit in the grand scheme of the AFC West. Long overdue to, to win the West again. And uh, I know Oakland, Kansas City, and Denver, they have the same goal and the same uh, – they feel they feel good about their chances as well, but um, that's really where it starts. You look at the years we've been in the postseason and, and got in there in four or five years in a row. We won the West. That gets you in for sure. Not worried about can you squeeze in a wild card or get in get in there late in the year. Let's win our division games. When we're three and three or worse in the division, it's an uphill battle to get in the postseason. And you know what? It is an uphill battle to even contend for a Super Bowl, yet alone win a division. And before you can even talk about winning a Super Bowl, you have to win your division. And let's take a look at who's in the division. 
And, and let's start from the bottom to the top. You know, Derek Carr has a new coach, and Jack Del Rio comes over from the Denver Broncos, so he's kind of familiar with that organization somewhat. You know, he's got a, some fancy little toys. Latavius Murray is there, and we have to see if he can now be, you know, that, that linchpin that they need in that offense. But you bring over Amari Cooper, sensational wide receiver from, from Alabama, who's going to see, you know, the, a lot of targets. So if, if you're fantasy football lovers out there, you might want to go ahead and put him on your roster. Now, he has Michael Crabtree opposite him, and we know what, you know, Richard Sherman has said about, you know, Crabtree, and it seems all true. I mean, he doesn't run great rocks. So that means the focal point of that offense is going to center, be centered around Amari Cooper. So he's going to get a lot of catches, but I still don't think the Raiders are right where they need to be at this particular time to be successful and even compete. They're going to make some noise. They're going to surprise a lot of people, but they're not going to really compete in, in, this, in this division. Now that brings us to, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith, and if you watch the preseason games, this was an offense a year ago in the quarterback that did not throw any explosive plays. And what I mean by explosive plays, talking about plays over 20-plus yards, they didn't do that. And in the preseason, the offense seemed to sputter. They, they seemed as though the chemistry wasn't there. They have Travis Kelsey, who's a great tight end. And once again, there's another pick for you fantasy uh, football players uh, out there for your drafts. And then they bring up Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin. And Jamal Charles said that he is LeBron James of the NFL. Well, that's going to be tested. Because just like LeBron James, when he faced against the Golden State Warriors, he didn't have all his boys with him. And we know how that ended. So can Alex Smith finally get it done? Can he finally get it done? They scored their first touchdown, passing touchdown, of, of meaningful value in the third preseason game. You know, let's give a hand clap for Alex Smith for that. But but is and will that be enough to win this division? Probably not. Now that brings us to the San Diego Chargers, the man of the hour, Philip Rivers. Now, he has a, a, a huge burden on his back right now as far as carrying this team with that large contract. And like Uncle Ben said, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So he now has the responsibility of leading this team to the promised land. And the question is, can he do it? How much time is he going to take? Is he going to have to wait till Tom Brady retires or Peyton Manning retires or, or, or Big Ben? Can he lead this team now? That big payday said that, says that he's going to have to. He's going to have to lead this Chargers team. And when you look at the pieces that they put put together this offseason, they got Melvin going from uh, Wisconsin. How much is he going to impact this team in his first year as a rookie player? And seldom does a player come in at the running back position and just kind of change the way we see football as a whole. But he has some very explosive ability. You mix that with Danny Woodhead, who, who was great outside the, the, the backfield, catching the ball and receiving and he's not a really big guy, but he makes big plays, especially out in space. But if the San Diego Charger team is going to get to where they hope that they get to, I think it's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they, they, they added some pieces, like I said, you know, 
Denzel Perriman at the University of Miami to go with Manti Teo. He now has to, you know, mature fast enough to get himself, you know, on the field to be productive, to create some turnovers for Phillip Rivers. Eric Weddle, who is in the last year of his contract, we don't know what's going to happen with him after this particular season. If they're going to make a run, they're going to need to make sure that they keep their core guys up together. But I think the game changer for me is, you know, Melvin Ingram, very fast off the edge, puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And Jeremiah Tachi, third-round draft choice out of Georgia Tech, has started to come on and make some stride. I think if these two can end up being the bookends for the San Diego Chargers, like, we, you know, we've seen it in Denver and Tom Ali and Justin Houston in Kansas City, maybe that might be enough to offset, you know, any deficiencies that Phillip Rivers has had up until this point. But more importantly, King Dunlap and DJ Fluker. We know those two guys. If San Diego really wants to succeed, those guys have to hold up well. They have to hold up well. And one thing, when you watch the tape and you you watch these two guys, they don't move their feet too well. You know, big, big guys, they lean on you. And, and those days, when, if you ask me, are kind of gone of those big office alignment that, that lean on you. In today's NFL, with guys be getting becoming faster and stronger and everyone's going to this kind of college read option type of scheme, you need guys who can move in space, who can get off the spot, who can hold their blocks at the point of attack. And then don't hold. When you see an offensive lineman get his hands outside the framework, of a defense alignment, that that is definitely a, a holding call, and and, and that is not another sign of poor fundamentals. Your coach spends all that time and trying to tell you to keep your your hands inside the framework, even if you grab those two, you know, those straps inside of the, the, the shoulder pads. The referees will allow you to get away with it because you're moving your feet. You're going with the play. You can it's one continuous motion, but if you stop your feet. And he pulls away from you. That that that's a holding call. So you know we'll have to see. But can they do it? We don't know. I still feel with what everyone's saying about Peyton Manning and the fact that he wears his glove. He can't win in a cold. And he said himself that you know there's no sensation in that hand. That's why he wears that glove. I still think they have the, the nucleus and the core to win this division. They definitely ha- they have it. Uh, Wade Phillips looking at how he schemes things uh, up front with the front seven. They're going to be competitive. They're going to have missed Derek Wolf for a couple of games due to a suspension. But this is the team that's going to be in the thick of it. They're always in the thick of it. They're like you know, the Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a reason why we have the same teams every year that are right there at the end. I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, you, you, you draft well, you bring in a proper free agent. There's a level of expectations these teams have for the new free agents that they bring in. So the, the idea of winning, it's already imprinted in the organization. It's just like when you walk through the doors, you can smell it. There you go. Take a whiff of that. That's what winning a championship smell like. And the, the Chargers have yet to experience that, but there's a lot of pressure on, on this organization to, to get out there and, and get it done. Now, I know everyone's been talking about it and it's what's taking place in Washington. And 
say what you want. You know, we can stand on a chair and blame RG3 all you want to. Uh, I think it's a collective effort. I mean, he didn't do his part to contribute as a leader to what the team wanted him to be. And Daniel Snyder wanted him to be, be that guy. And it reminds me of a story. When we look back several years, Jeff Fisher and the Tennessee Titans management, you know, they were at odds. He wanted another quarterback. They wanted Vince Young. And he didn't want that. And that caused a rift right there. And he asked himself if they allowed Vince Young to be as successful as he could have been. Now, once again, I'm not taking you know anything off Vince Young. He shot himself in the foot. Yeah, he did. But let's not forget, he did go to a Pro Bowl. And he's better than that guy in Philadelphia and Tim Tebow. We'll talk about that later. So when you Jay Gruden and you're known for being a passing uh, quarterback and putting up numbers, especially what he did in the Arena League, you know, Dave Snyder brings him in and said, well, maybe we can get RG3 on that level. But it didn't appear that, you know, Jay Gruden was all in on RG3. To me, it seemed like he maybe wanted Kirk Cousin. And Kirk Cousin was named the starter of the Washington Redskins. And it was just like, well, not just the first game. He, he's the starter throughout. And loyal football fans, especially Washington fans, if you go back, it was a time when RG3 got injured. It's kind of like now. And Kirk Cousins had to go in. And it was great. He came out. He performed well. But we see this all the time in a lot of sports, especially in basketball. When the other team doesn't have a lot of tape on you, you go out there and you perform well. And everyone's saying, well, maybe he should have been the starter from the get-go. But then all of a sudden, reality sets in. That following week, they have the game film. They have a certain amount of time to, to prep for you. Then you go in and you stink it up. And Gruden said that, you know, Kirk Cousin had better learn to stop throwing interceptions. So wait a minute. You name him the starter of your football team, but you understand that he has a fundamental issue with turnovers. But he is now your quarterback. So that's the question, you know. Will Kirk Cousin hold on to this job? It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. So if I'm RG3, I'm going to lick my wounds and be humbled by this situation because life has a way of humbling you. The NFL has a way of humbling you. Right now, he is humble. There's no more Jared Subway commercials. There's no more sitting down with the media saying, well, it wasn't my fault. Reminds me of that uh, old song by Master P. It was my fault. Or was that mystical? Anyway, doesn't matter. When you look at some of the top quarterbacks in the league, when they stand up at that podium and give that post-game interview, you don't hear them saying, well, it was the defense's fault. It was the offensive coordinator's fault. It was the center's fault that on the center quarterback exchange, I didn't know, he didn't know, and that caused the fumble that caused us the game. They stand up there and they say, listen, I did not do a great job to put our team in enough situations to win ball games." That's what... RG3 should have done. Accept the blame. You're a quarterback. You get all the praise when you win, and you're going to take all the blame when you lose. Look at the other guy in your division, Tony Romo. So much so, I created the Tony Romo effect. 
So accept the blame. Go out there, you know, be competitive. Learn the game plan. Work on your footwork. Work on your timing and your rhythm. Get the ball out of your hand in time. And then, now maybe later on, Jay Gruden can come back to you. Because it's going to happen. They can't trade you. And then knowing as though Colt McCoy is on, on the roster as well, he's no better. You know, that's why he's the third option. He's no better. So RG3, just sit back, relax, go in the meeting room. Don't be a cancer. Don't be disruptive. Work on your fundamentals. Let this push you to be the guy that you were when you first came in the league. Don't hold your head down. Now is where you make your name. Because adversity, what we do when adversity strikes, makes us more of who we are. That tells people what type of individual that we are. And in the NFL, as a quarterback, you're going to see your highs and lows. Can you manage that? That's what we want to see. And then if the team so wants to part ways with you, now, guess what? Now you've opened yourself to go somewhere else. And granted, there are going to be other teams that want you. But you have to show that you can be a leader. No one likes a baby. My kids cry. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Dust yourself off. Get back out there. And make those naysayers now believers. But more importantly, make yourself a believer and validate yourself through your play, through your leadership, and in your efforts. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But no more of that Willie Beeman-esque attitude. You know, that that's over. Go out there and be a player, man. Be RG3. Or better yet, just go back and be Robert Griffin the third. Just, just a thought, just tossing that out there. Coming up after the break, much more in the Deflategate scandal. And is the SEC really the best conference in college football? Hmm. Two opinions. You weigh in. This is Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, here on Voice American Sports. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. That's right, money, power, respect, and that seems to be the motto and the credo of what's taking place around the world of sports, especially uh, in the NFL. We're talking about Tom Brady uh, and just second and what has transpired. You know, after a long summer of trying to figure out what's going to happen, who's right, who's wrong, who took what air out of the ball, who did what. Now, you know, the ruling has been uh, has come down. Judge Berman has said, "Hey, listen." Throwback Thursday, Tom Brady Thursday, that Tom Brady is nullified of his four-game suspension. What does that mean? That means week one versus the Pittsburgh Steelers on the Pittsburgh, as Coach Belichick would say, as the Patriots will take on the Steelers and he will be present. Now, what do you think the Colts fans are thinking right about now? You know, they were hoping that maybe Brady would miss some games. Uh, Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo would have a slow start. They limp into Lucas Oil Field. And Tom Brady had not played a game. Timing, rhythm all off. But, hey, the football gods are watching. And they say, well, throwing the torpedoes. Tom Brady is innocent, I guess, in the eyes of Judge Berman. And there are a lot of individuals who, when the story broke, said that Tom Brady, because of, uh, I guess, the questionable past of the Patriots, that they were guilty. He was guilty. This was just part of the Patriots' way. But a lot of those individuals are kind of backpedaling right now. You do have your individuals who just, they just hate the New England Patriots. And my mom always said, hate is a very strong word, so choose your words wisely. But there's a strong hate for Tom Brady and the Patriots. And usually, isn't that what happens when teams are winning? Or, you know, you see the girl in your class and she's dating she's dating a guy and you want to try to find out things about him to dislike him. You know, you know, oh, you know, he, he has great hair. Or he has great skin. Well, people are always going to hate things that they don't understand and those individuals that, that win. And, and like most people say who are successful, hey, man, I love my haters. You know, I want to thank my mom, you know, my uncle. I want to thank God. But more importantly, I want to thank my haters. Because if it were not for my haters, I wouldn't be where I am today. So uh, I'm sure Tom Brady is uh, kicking back right now as they get prepared for the opening week of the NFL season and say, hey, listen, uh, all along, I have claimed, you know, my innocence that I, I did nothing wrong, and it came to pass. And just think about this: the league spent about fifteen million dollars on the Wells Report, fifteen million dollars, and all we can come up with is probably likely 
and generally aware. And for a while, I wondered about that. What, what, what does that really mean? You know, because probably likely, hmm, that's probably likely that, you know, I might have a splinter in my finger. I don't know. But I think you would know if you have a splinter or not. There's evidence that you need. If I want, if the air doesn't fit, you must acquit. And in this case, that that did not uh, happen, and it's up to speculation right now. But what's not speculation? Oh my, still is speculation in, in the eyes of football fans, especially this one here. Looking at the SEC, so much has been said about the SEC being the best conference and college football and pretty much, you know, cancel out every other conference in college football. From 2006 to 2012, they pretty much reigned supreme. I mean, yeah, they played Ohio State with some other teams from other conferences, but they won some, some championships in, in, in that era. I'm not sold on the fact that SEC being the best conference. I, I'm, I'm just not. But but here's something from a good friend of the program, Bobby Wesson, and, and what he said you know, earlier this year about his Alabama Crimson Tide. I want you to remind them that although on January 1 we did not win, we did on the third Saturday in October when we beat Tennessee and say roll tide. I want you to remind them that although we will not play for a national championship, we did win the state championship when we beat Auburn and say roll tide. Road Tide, say Road Tide. Well, you know, Road Tide is up against it now. It's like, well, who's going to be their starting quarterback? We don't know. They don't know. They're waiting to the last moment to uh, decide that. But they got Brett Boomer and the Wisconsin Badgers coming up here on Saturday. And We'll have to see if they are indeed the best conference. And years ago, Miami had their run of the 80s, 80s to early 90s. And I think it's all about the era, you know. And, and here's the difference. I mean, you, you talk about a conference opposed to that team that dominated, you know, college football for for so many years. And I think – now, maybe with the emergence of the college football bowl season, bowl playoff system, rather, that may change. You might not see an SEC school. But I know so many people are talking. You know, the fact that undefeated team, SEC, you put them in there. A one-loss SEC team, you put them in there because they're in the second-best uh, conference, you know, or level down from the NFL. I don't think so. That's just my opinion, but here's what one college football coach had to say in comparison to his conference in the SEC. You know, I hesitate to, uh, to to really get into it a whole lot, but I think what the ACC has done speaks for itself. I mean, if you look uh, 
you know, head to head with the SEC last year, the the bowl season, uh, just overall draft picks in the NFL, whatever metrics you want to measure it by, or matrix you want to measure it by. Uh, I think the ACC can stand there and, and be on pretty solid ground with whoever you want to talk about. And that's Paul Johnson, uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They have a game coming up against Alcorn, and and you can hear him saying it you know, very adamantly. When you look at the bowl series from last year and, and you look how things shook down in comparison to the ACC and uh, other conferences, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. You know, there, there are a lot of SEC teams that, because of the hype machine, they were at the forefront. They were getting a lot of praise. But now you get to those bowl games, things are changing. So you have to ask yourself, the tide is now starting to change. Other teams from other conferences are now starting to catch up. Whereas they were not able to possibly recruit that same level of talent that maybe an SEC team was able to recruit, they're able to recruit that now. And you can say, well, these teams are loaded. So guys have to go other places. That's probably so. But I think things are now starting to, you know, even themselves out. And when you look at the factor from 2012 to 2015, you look at the number of draft selections. You can say first rounders or the draft in its entirety. You definitely have to look and say, well, the ACC is right there with the SEC, you know. In 2012, SEC had 42 players, ACC 31. That number went down in, in 2013 for the SEC. They only had 30, 32, but, I, well, let me rephrase that. I think they had 63 overall, if I'm not mistaken, because you combine, I guess, the East and the West or whatever. And 2014, 49, SEC, 42, ACC. 2015, 54 in the SEC, and 47 in the ACC. Pac-12, 2015, 39. Big 10, 35. And the Big 12 rounded out the bottom with 25. And their numbers went down from 2014. And to just kind of give you an idea a little more about this, with college football, a bowl season, not bowl season, excuse me, pardon me, officially kicking off of tonight with a slew of games. Jim Harbaugh, his debut as head coach in Michigan. Uh, but but here's some, something else to take in consideration, too. When we look at other conferences, their players, in comparison to the SEC. Now, I'm going to give you a list of quarterbacks in the SEC. And big-name quarterbacks, some maybe not. Of course, the creme de la creme, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. We know they won Super Bowls. Cam Newton, you know, big deal with Carolina Panthers. Another guy with a lot of pressure on his shoulders coming into the season. Big deal, but no Calvin Benjamin. No red zone threat. He's going to have to depend on Luke Keekley. They're going to have to use him like J.J. Watts. Put him on offense. You and Greg Olson catch some passes in the red zone. We have to see. But Ryan Mallett comes out of that uh, SEC conference as well, coming out of Arkansas, and we know where he's at right now, competing for a job. 
That's well. Might, might as well say he lost that job. But then you have guys like Matthew Stafford, another Georgia guy, uh, Aaron Murray, and A.J. McCarron out of Alabama. Those two guys are backups, not starters. Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Michael Vick, Matt Schaub, Tyrod Taylor, who makes his first start, named the starter for the Buffalo Bills, E.J. Manuel, Jameis Winston, Sean Hill, Charlie Whitehurst. Not, not, a lot of these guys are not home names, hometown names, like names that you know. But some quality quarterbacks in here. But one thing I did find interesting as we talk about, you know, the SEC and as it relates to other uh, conferences and are they definitely the best conference in college football. Here's some guys who won some Super Bowls, did some great things in the NFL, and then some guys are still trying to make some strides, who came from non-Power 5 colleges. Brett Farr, the holy great grail of the Green Bay Packers, Southern Miss. Joe Butterflacko from the Baltimore Ravens. I like to call him Joey Butterflacko. Uh, Delaware. Tony Romo himself, Eastern Illinois. Mr. Big Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio. And Colin Kaepernick, Nevada. So when we start talking about college football and the best programs around, not teams, but best programs, yeah, you talk about the SEC. But, but you can't dismiss all the other schools as well because they produce top talent. And it's, it's a difference between getting in the NFL and staying in the NFL. And we know what happened with Trent Richardson. Drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Even the, the great Jim Brown said himself, this guy is not a running back and will not have a long career in the NFL. Well, boy, talk about clairvoyance. I mean, talk about being able to see into the future. Professor X is showing right now. Traded for by the Indianapolis Colts. Didn't do anything. Raiders give him 600K. Didn't do anything. So now where that leaves Trent Richardson? How does that impact the NFL? How does that impact Alabama football? When we look at it. This is this conference that was said to be a second level down from the NFL. Filled with great talent. And that's how. When you have NFL type office alignment blocking for you. You become a first rounder. Mark Ingram. T.Y. Yeldon. Not a first rounder. Went to Alabama. Ed Lacey. Bruising, powerful running back for the Green Bay Packers. Went to Alabama. But we all knew Trent Richardson wasn't a very explosive guy. We didn't need anyone to tell us that. We knew that already. But other people find it out for the first time. Can, can he resurrect his career? Would anyone be willing to take a chance on him? I say not. It would take for a lot of guys who play in the running back position in the NFL to be injured 
for Trip Richardson to find himself another job. I would be surprised if a team went out on a limb and brought him in. I would be surprised. I think we've seen the last of Trent Richardson, but that tells you a lot about the SEC and, more importantly, Alabama. We've seen the same thing happen with USC quarterbacks. A lot of talent around them get to the NFL and they disappear. Matt Leiner, you got two quarterbacks from SC battling for a job. Sanchez probably more secure, but then that Matt Barkley battling with Tim Tebow. Is that really a battle? Can we really call that a battle? You have to put up something for it, for it to be a battle. Matt Barkley should win that, win that job, not Tim Tebow. But yet I digress. The SEC has won some championships in the past six years. But that reign and that dominance could be coming to an end. It's called the college football bowl system, which I believe that it, they should move it to six teams. All Power Five teams should be represented. You win your conference and you have the best record, you get that bye. And you let the other four teams duke it out. And then you put the, the winners of whoever survives that with that team that had the bye. That way everyone's happy. Every team represented. You can't have college football playoff bowl system without having all power five conferences represented. But that's me. I'm going to continue to talk about it till the cows come home, but that's what I think should happen. Coming up after the break, some comments, hard knocks about Tom Brady and Deflategate. And there is a popular movie star that has a movie coming out in December. Should have caused some controversy. We'll talk about that and more after this break. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Focus on secondary perspective, and I am your host, Tom Brady. Nullified four game suspension. Wow. Individuals around the sports world, especially Patriots haters, I guess, are kind of shocked at what this transpired. They can't believe it. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. But I, I said all along, you know, and I decided, hey, listen, I'm not going to jump out there and criticize someone when I don't have physical evidence. And, and also, think about this. There was something I put on social media a while back about uh, from Deadspin uh, magazine where you can hear Phil Sims on the phone, well, not on the phone, but calling a game with, with Jim Nance. And in that game, it just happened to be Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots, he says in a conversation with Aaron Rodgers, I like to put more air in the ball to see if the fish is going to test it. I like to push the limits. But the rule says you can't tamper with the ball. That's what it says. But he did something to the ball. and He's saying that Brady did something to the ball, but there, there's no evidence. There's no smoking gun. So it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. And after $15 million, the Wells report proved absolutely nothing other than probably likely or generally aware. And I know the owners wanted to make sure that they won this case. And they might go, they may appeal it, and I think Roger's going to appeal it, but they wanted to prevent what could be a backlash. But before I get to that, hard knocks, Houston Texans, you know, a lot of praise, a lot of ratings on HBO. And obviously, Coach Bill O'Brien, who I know, he was GA when I was at Georgia Tech. Uh, his language has come up a couple of times in how he talks to players. And let me tell you, each coach coaches his players entirely different. Some yell, some don't. There's vulgar language, and then there isn't. But just so happens, I mean, there's some vulgar language, and that, that is the thing that's coming out. I've had some things said to me over my uh, years, 12 years of playing in professional sports, and I let it roll down, you know, my back. I mean, I, I, I grew up accustomed to hearing certain things like that said. It didn't really bother me. Other players are not built that way. You know, some, some are, are very fragile. I mean, someone says something to them, they crumble. The mental part of the game falls apart. So you just have to manage that as, you know, as a head coach. But I think it works great for the Texans because a team that really hasn't done a lot in their, in their you know, small existence in the NFL, 
It brings a lot of popularity to the team. It puts them in the forefront. So now after hard knocks, there's life after hard knocks. Could they experience some hard knocks this season? Probably. Aaron Foster, growing injury, is going to be out for a huge portion of the season. Uh, They're looking for Alpha Blue to come in and fill that void. Brian Horry has been named uh, the starting quarterback of that team, and Romeo Cornell has got to get that defense ready to go. So, and Jadavian Clowney, we don't know what he is just yet. Maybe it's too early to call him a bust, but, I mean, people are teetering on that side. But he needs to get out there and do something. But it works great for the Houston. It gives them that, that popularity that they needed. But to, to gain more popularity, Houston's owner, Bob McNair, came out uh, yesterday before the whole Brady uh, situation was announced and said that he didn't believe that a guy like J.J. Watts would actually destroy his phone. So talk about kicking the man when he's down. But I guess now Brady's laughing now because, you know, no four-game suspension. And like I said, we just have to see what happens after this particular point uh, with the NFL really quickly. Uh, earlier this week, we lost a great man in horror films, uh, Wes Cravens. Uh, his, his movie scared the bejesus out of me, especially those Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies. But uh, great work. Writer, director, loved, loved his movies. Uh, he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. In light of what is taking place with Tom Brady, and once again, this is what, what, what the owners were concerned and worried about, the possible fallout. Greg Hardy, you remember Greg Hardy? He was originally suspended for uh, 10 games and you know former Carolina Panthers stand out the Kraken, as he's called it, a nightmare for offensive tackles around the leagues and quarterbacks. Uh, now with the Dallas Cowboys, now in light of Tom Brady, he's saying, "Look, I may have to appeal my four-game suspension. The gates have now been opened. Players who feel as though that they've been wrong and falsely accused, and uh, the commissioner's power." has been wielded the wrong way. Now, they can go to court. The president has been set. So that's why I think the owners are going to get together and try to uh, appeal this because they don't want that to happen. But it is kind of a win for the players, whether you know, you're know you a Patriots fan or not. Uh, guys now feel as though they can now challenge some of the decision-making to offset what uh, the NFLPA allowed to take place in the collective bargain agreement, uh, giving the commissioner as much power, you know, as he has. I often said, you know, it was an easy solution. Put, put a kind of council together, former players and coaches, so they can help decide this. And if, if, if the commissioner wants to sit on that, you know, that board, if you will, then they can. But it, it's hard to give someone all that, that power where they can lay judgment and, and suspension and fines on players. So it, it's, this is going to be very interesting. We're going to have to really play, pay close attention to this as the season uh, moves, moves forward. But it, it, it is a very, a very interesting thing. Uh, college football, it is back. Tonight, a slew of games. I'm, I'm really excited. 
My alma mater, Georgia Tech, takes on Alcorn. Alcorn. And one thing about college football that is different from the NFL, NFL gets a chance to see their talent, young talent, and and put them in game-time situations but preseason football. College football, you don't get that. Well, at least some would think, but some of these games that are scheduled for week one are kind of like preseason-esque. You get a chance to see your guys not against the elite talent and college, that college football has to offer, but talent nonetheless. And usually those are games that you predict that you're going to win. And I can tell you, I watched some Georgia Tech games and playing against what they consider to be inferior talent and pushed to the brink, even losing some games. So there aren't any guarantees. None at all. And I, and I look at that Bama schedule here. And in the second game of the season, Middle Tennessee State, so, I mean, they start off with Wisconsin, which is great. But they got Middle Tennessee State, September 12th. On the 26th, Louisiana Monroe. And then just like they always do, that warm-up before the, the Iron Bowl with Auburn, they schedule kind of an inferior team to kind of build, pat their stats for the, the, the end of the year and get them prepared for – uh, that game, which is always a great game, no matter what the records are for for either team, so it's going to be great. But it is is this schedule that they have warranted of getting into the college football playoffs? And can they do it with the quarterbacks that they have? Because they don't they don't know who's going to be the quarterback of the team. So a lot of ifs swirling around Nick Saban and his Alabama team, but. I hope my good buddy Bobby Wesson is is uh, is sitting down or will be sitting down as this season uh, kicks off. But it definitely should be uh, a great one all the same. Uh, we all know that the NFL is a very physical game and injuries do take place. And over the past couple of years, we've heard so much about concussions and and individuals not wanting to let their kid play and uh, soon to be Hall of Fame quarterback and Super Bowl winning quarter, quarterback, Kurt Warner has said before that he didn't want his boys to play. They're playing now. He's, he's very active in what's going on with them. And, you know, they have this new technology where they put in the helmets and allow players uh, to play. And he, he, he talks about it. It's unequal.com. I guess it's Kevlar type of material that guys put in inside the, the helmet, like an insert of bladder, as we call it, that normally you pump air in. Apparently, that technology is being used right now uh, to kind of limit concussions. So we, we don't know all there is to know about it. Concussions are very uh, interesting within themselves. Uh, so we will see. I mean, you can go to... Uh, unequal.com and, and, and check out the technology if you have a young kid that is that's planning on playing or currently playing if you want some extra protection but uh, it, it raises the question and concussions will continue to be lead stories you know and it's not just football you know most people think it's NFL it's not just football you know baseball has issues hockey has had its issues so it's just not football but right now football is the the face of 
concussion as though it's now in the face of domestic violence, which it should not be. But there's a movie coming out, I think it's slated for December. Will Smith has a movie coming out called Concussion, and it's def- definitely raised a lot of cause with concern and some conversation. And some have even said that uh, the NFL itself had Sony to curtail some of the, the verbiage and scenes and the script. I don't know. I don't know if, it, if that happened. Who knows? But all I know is it's going to raise a lot of uh, eyebrows and, and those who don't not familiar with the game or concussions or what's going on, they're going to watch the movie and, and probably look at the game entirely different. You know, maybe look at football players a little different than the way they looked at them previously. The fact that what they lay, what they do when they lay it on the line every time they lace them up and get out on the field. It, it, it's always a probability to get yourself injured. It's a probability to get in your car and get injured. It's a probability of slipping on a bar of soap, taking a bath and, and getting injured. But when you play football, you, you might be more susceptible to it than, you know, the, the incidents I just named here. They seem very small. So I like to keep things in, in perspective, try to get all the information I can, you know, before criticizing anything. But I wonder how many players, NFL officials, will in fact go watch the movie to see if anything about it is, you know, true to life. And are things embellished somewhat? So, I mean, I, I, I played in the NFL. I played football for a while, lived it, uh, and, you get, and you just got to be careful. That's why I'm a strong believer in not just teaching the X's and the O's. Spend a lot of time teaching the fundamentals, getting guys in the right place. And I, I've had some great coaches, you know, over my career. And, and, and it's, it's about body position, head placement. Sometimes you can't avoid uh, certain the probability of contacting a guy in a certain way. But fundamentals, nothing beats nothing. Nothing beats uh, beats fundamentals. So, you know. We have to see. I'm sure this is not the last that we will hear about uh, this particular movie, about this particular conversation. The dialogue will continue as though it should, and it should continue about anything that uh, has to do with our body and harming us. So that's what we should do. Football is back. College football, NFL football, a couple of games on Thursday night, decide who's going to make the final roster. So hopefully someone from your school, your town, your relative, your cousin, your brother can make one of those uh, teams because playing an NFL, it is a a great thing. Uh, And it helps you with the fact of what you've been trying to do all your life to get to that point. And now you can now see the fruits of your labor come to uh, fruition. So, I'm rooting for a lot of guys out there. Um, Those who don't make it, don't give up. Continue to plug away. CFL, practice squad, get back in there, do work, and show them that you you belong. It is possible. I am living proof that it is possible. So validate yourself every day. Watch some great games on college football tonight and Saturday. Have some fun. 
It's exciting. Tell the wife, the time to clean the garage, that is over. It's football time. And let's celebrate. This is Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. I want to thank Justin on the board, as always, for keeping things running smoothly. And remember this. Do unto others as you want others to do unto you. I'm Nick Ferguson, and that's my Secondary Perspective. See you next week. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.